Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Hidden Yardage Podcast on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane. I'm always joined by Sean Martin. You can find him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. You can find myself on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. And you know that's just the way that uh, it is here. The Hidden Yardage Podcast is we start things out formulaic. You know, just what you can expect. Don't try to surprise you too much until you got your feet under you. And then we just go ahead and and whack you with our opinions. So, with that as a preamble to this episode, Sean, uh, what did you do on Sunday? Yeah, freshly back from Dallas, Arlington area. Got to uh, spend a couple of days in, you know, a place that means a lot to me, obviously. A place that was the first ever place that I stepped foot in Texas, and that would have been for the... 2018 draft, as some of our BTB staffers know, and of course RJ Ochoa knows. So, not my first time back there since then. I did the Giants game, what was that last season? Um, but yeah, I was at this Cowboys Rams game myself as well. Like I said, I was there the whole weekend for a little bit of Rangers Diamondbacks World Series game, too. So, quite the sports weekend. And as far as I know, it's ongoing for Dallas and Arlington. I believe the Stars have a home game coming up. I know the Mavericks are home tonight. So, yeah, good weekend, but you know the Cowboys are still the highlight this time of year as long as they're playing well, and well, certainly they're playing well as we saw them in person Sunday because 43 to 20 final score. In a lot of cases, we've talked about final scores not always indicating you know the full nuance and scope that we like to discuss these games in, but I think in this case it's actually a really good place to start because yeah, 43 to 20 probably could have even been more lopsided, but you felt every bit of the dominance that this Cowboys team put together with their sharpness off the bye and how quickly they corrected some of those early mistakes of the offense to put together a really big performance and take the Rams out of this game so that the defense can go do its thing as well. Definitely answered a lot of questions that we were hoping to do so after the bye. And, yeah, great to be there as always in AT&T Stadium. Yeah, that's what was interesting about the Rangers World Series run in 2010 was it was it was a mid – that devastating one to seven. I mean, one in seven start. It cost Wade Phillips his job. So, you know, there was this interesting thing in Dallas, Fort Worth, where it was like the Cowboys suck and the world is over. But what is this? Uh, the Rangers in the World Series. Uh, how far along can this go? So it kind of mitigated against that disastrous 2010 season. Um, but you know, with this convincing victory over the Rams, you know, 43 to 20. It begs the question though, Sean, was this the type of win 
that they needed. Oh, absolutely. I 100% think it was. You know, coming off the bye, there was a certain checklist of things that you were hopeful to see, and I think they checked all those boxes. I think the first and foremost one was, you know, you know the defense was kind of starting to find its groove again. You know that off that Chargers game, they really had to stand on their head at times and be your driving force to get that, that win, and they did so with their best players. It was Parsons, and then it was Stephon Gilmore, and there's your Chargers win that you really needed. But this game, you saw the defense, you know, be able to play that exact complementary style that Mike McCarthy has spent so much time talking about, and that's because of the offense that he calls the plays for, of course, you know, really rising to the occasion to do so. Of course, he got off to a rocky start, like I alluded to, a couple of those sacks there and long developing plays, you know, against the Rams defense where the strength of that defense with Raheem Mostert calling the plays for him is up front with Aaron Donald and some other great pass rushers, but you can really take advantage, as the Cowboys did throughout the game, spreading them out and making these linebackers and the secondary cover, making them play in space. That's where teams have had the success against the Rams. So Cowboys took just a bit to get into that groove. But yeah, more pre-stat motion. We saw that with Jake Ferguson. Hat tip to Bobby Bell on this stat, but as I was trying to piece together, you know, the usual stats and stuff to make up for not watching the TV copy, but the live copy of this game. Dak Prescott and Jake Ferguson since the fourth quarter of the Cardinals loss, you know, a game we don't want to talk about anymore, and we certainly don't have to. But Dak and Jake Ferguson since the fourth quarter of that game, 15 of 15 passing. So you, know, you want to talk about has tight end been a missing element without Dalton Schultz in this pass game? Well, not as of late, and no reason to think that the Dak to Ferguson connection won't continue. It was a hell of a throw, and the stadium certainly lit up when he dropped that ball in there uh, to get the first touchdown and really get this route underway, if you would. So more pre-stop motion, more use in the tight ends, more CDLM run after the catch opportunities, more potential opportunities for Jalen Tolbert, who had a quiet game statistically, but you did you know, have the premeditated attempt to try to get him a slant route. He was the primary target on a throw. Things like that weren't happening before the bye. So coming off the bye, we hope to see maybe some more of Tolbert and there's still the makings of that being a possibility. That said, Michael Gallup wasn't you know completely absent from this game. He still made some big-time plays, and as did veteran Brandon Cooks, who had his first home crowd touchdown in front of the home Cowboys fans. So that was a big throw. I <laughs> Before that play, I promise you this, uh, this actually happened. You know, My fantasy team, I had Prescott going. My opponent had CDLM, so we were kind of just evening each other out. I'm like, hey, I can really use a touchdown to someone other than I am right now. Next play, Dak must have heard me, and he throws one down the field to Brandon Cooks, who had some good separation. That type of vertical play is also on the checklist of things he wanted to see from this offense. So great job by um, you know McCarthy and this offensive staff. Brian Schottenheimer, I think, deserves some credit as well when it comes to not really knowing what the direction they would go in off the bye. We had our own thoughts on what it should look like, but we didn't hear a whole lot about you know what are they really going to change, what's the focus going into the extra week, and they just put their head down and, Really had a great offensive game plan that let Dan Quinn's defense do what it does best. And when you play that that way, you're going to get big wins in this league, or at least with this Cowboys team. We've come to know when they play that way, that's when they'll get these types of wins. You know, when they lose, it might be big as well, but this is a definitive win that they can build on for sure. And I think that's what you needed to see. I think it would have been better if they would have had just a a bit more of a struggle because – we know that the Cowboys are capable of these types of wins where, I mean, go back to Minnesota 
last year. They just absolutely decapitated them uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So, and, and the, you know, the Vikings were considered one of the top teams in the NFC at that particular point. So, you know, I obviously it's great, you know, and fans of America's team want to see their team, you know, fl- um, serving 40 burgers. Um, but I think... I think we were dreaming about a 50 burger at one point in this game. But I, I think that we've seen them do this. We've seen them grill 40 and 50 burgers. So, you know, the the um, the cachet on this is kind of way you know waning so to speak i think it would have been more convincing as weird as it sounds if this would have had some sort of struggle or an element where dak prescott need to make the passes in the fourth quarter and then i think people might have you know really taken this and believe. Now, for me, um, I think a win is a win, and I do think that relative to their profile, this is what you would expect from the Cowboys because I think the Rams are so weak. Their only three wins were against Seattle in week one, which anybody on opening day is in a fair game. Um, then they beat the Indianapolis Colts and then the Arizona Cardinals. When it's come to San Francisco, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, that's where they've taken their L's and against Pittsburgh, which, you know, who, who knows what they even are at this point. So I think that the, I don't think the Rams are really that good of an opponent, but Relative to building momentum into a consequential matchup in week nine, yeah, I think they achieved their objective. Yeah, that's the place you, know, you have to go with this. I know later in the week is when you know this this network of shows really looks ahead to what's coming for the Cowboys. So certainly we'll have so much to say about Cowboys Eagles later on, and you know we're going to get back to what happened here against the Rams. But yeah, you can't say it too early when it's this particular opponent. It's Philly week. I mean. I didn't get the sense of, you know, that urgency or that intensity just walking out of the stadium. Everybody was still just high off of the Rams win and trying to uh, get warm a bit. It was quite cold around Arlington, Dallas this weekend. So I wasn't expecting that. And I don't know how many articles were as well. So everyone's mind was elsewhere when it comes to, you know, what's next for this Cowboys team. But yeah, come Monday when you're listening to the show, as if you needed a reminder, it's it's Philly week. And Dallas always gets up for this game and they play the Eagles better and more competitively than really any team has. And I know the Eagles have kind of played down to some teams recently that makes that a little bit lesser of a point, you know, even this week, 38 to 31 against the commanders. Yeah. You compare those two things and you look at the Cowboys offense that seemingly figured a lot of things out. You look at the Eagles offense against the commanders that turn the ball over and continues to see this trend, which they hurts hurt to the concerning level of their turnovers and some of their inefficiencies yeah, they, they still did put up the 38 points, but do they have the same level of trust that they will do so against a Dan Quinn defense? Are they worried about what a Dak Prescott-led offense can put up on this Philadelphia defense that plays aggressive, plays a lot of man coverage, and that throws 
should similarly be there, like they were to Iam and Cooks and Ferguson throughout this game. So, yeah, I think the Cowboys did everything against the Rams to show that they're ready for this Eagles matchup. They're ready for another big test. It's not quite the same test as the 49ers, and we all know they can't do anything about 42-10 to 10 the rest of the season. It's going to hang over their head. But what they can do is note that the 49ers haven't won a game since – that happened. So, you know, since their mini Super Bowl of George Kittle ripping off the shirt and saying F Dallas and all that, they haven't won a game. Sure, there's a ton of injuries we can talk about with them and when they're back at full strength, is it gonna look better with Brock Purdy? Well we'll see. But you know, what have you done for me lately type of league? Forty two to ten hangs more over the Cowboys head as motivation to go forward and get two different types of wins that we've seen and fix some things over to buy and do a lot of good. The forty ers have gone and Lost to the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals most recently this Sunday. Also, the Cardinals have lost every game since uh, playing the Cowboys. So almost if you remember that kind of forgotten stat from last year where everybody made a big deal about teams playing Kyle Sanahan and their physical 49ers offense and how they would lose almost immediately after. Almost think it's time to have that conversation with the Dan Quinn defense. Maybe there's something to that where if you play against the Dallas defense, it's affecting teams going forward and we asked for this team to be more physical defensively and do better against the run and maybe it's manifesting in that way but yeah Cowboys Eagles is squarely a matchup for the top of the NFC it seems and the Cowboys still have work to do to play their way into this division starting with trying to bank a win next Sunday and they have so many reasons to point back to this Rams game as confidence that they can almost take a very similar game plan against a defense that does some similar things I think that this offense could put a whole lot of game pressure on Jalen Hurts and then go at Dan Quinn's defense, do what it does. You have Dak Prescott, you know, he throws for over 300 yards and four touchdowns, and C.D. Lamb has a big game, and Micah Parsons gets a sack. So do you think that this win was more about the star players like that, or do you think that this was really a triumph of the role players because there were some guys that, you know, were able to make contributions as well. And it wasn't just entirely Dak and CD. Yeah. How about the underrated element of, you know, giving special teams coordinator, John Fossil, the extra week to prepare against the team that he spent the most time with prior to this. That's kind of a hidden yardage element to this game, isn't it? Of, you know, that level of prep and, uh, it absolutely is. If we should have seen, you know, something of the likes, and you know, obviously Sam Williams' blocked punt was a huge highlight. You could have even had a Kavate Turpin punt return touchdown, if not for a holding penalty, but it was still, you know, a good return by him and an electric play, and he did have a big kick return, and, you know, special teams, the fingerprint was all over this game. That's what I'm saying is you had just the, the, uh, the role players who played significant parts in the game, um, you know, like Jake Ferguson, for example. Yeah, I think this is more about, you know, I almost don't want to call them role players. It's like I'm on the fence with this question, but I think it's more about, yeah, that second, you know, it's more about your depth, guys. It's more about your strength and numbers, guys. You know, we know sometimes this team overhypes their depth and overhypes, you know, all these guys being contributors when it doesn't turn out to be the case, but – yeah, now even going back to the Chargers game, you have a two-game sample and a three weeks of real-time sample, you know, with the bye showing that they certainly worked on some things and got mentally right and all that to show that these guys can make a difference. You know, I thought it was the second straight 
really great game for Marquis Bell. He certainly has taken full advantage of being a Dan Quinn guy, being a player that now has a clear opportunity to see snaps and develop and get better. But both him and Damone Clark in tandem, I think the Cowboys have really found something there on the second level at linebacker. And when they're playing well, it seems to lead to Donovan Wilson playing well, and he was down there making some plays as well. As well, I even saw Mozzie Smith from my vantage point flashing a couple of times. That's certainly great to see. So Mozzie against the run, also Diggy Zua and Neville Gallimore were both being their usual selves, making plays not only up the middle and pass rush, but outside of the numbers, rallying to go stop the run as well. So this is a patented defensive performance when it comes to you know the effort, the gang tackling, the splash plays from Deron Bland, none bigger than his pick six, his third of the year already, and putting himself in all kinds of NFL and Cowboys records, record books with what he's been able to do as far as production on the ball there, picking off Matt Stafford to go into the end zone. So, you know, you know, I don't know if role players is, a, you know, putting these players down. A lot of these guys are, they're not stars by even, you know, the local Dallas media uh, perspective, but you ask these coaches and I think, yeah, you know, they'll give them the right amount of kudos for guys that have, Take, taking advantage of opportunity. Bell is probably the best example of that. And like I said, guys like Osho Digazua and Gallimore, the opportunity isn't new to just this game or this season, but they're healthy and they're playing well and things seem to be gelling together on the defensive side, which is where you kind of controlled this game and made sure the Rams couldn't get back in. Yeah, and that's where I see some of the Cowboys' uh, success come from is when they're able to – just get like, you know, I, I call them role players just because Dan Quinn will make a role for them. You know what I mean? Um, they're going to get their packages, their sub packages, that they're going to be able to come in and do their job. So, you know, that's what I see when I, when you know, I observe the whole, um, you know, role player type of situation. And, you know, again, you got a guy like Damone Clark. He had six tackles in the game, you know, tied for the second most on the team. Um, he, you know, it, it just seemed like it was more about the triumph of those type of guys getting out there and 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 having – significant parts, you know, in the game. You know, Dante Fowler, he was able to get a TFL. Um, If, you know, I've talked about the Stars going back to San Francisco, how they need to show up and have a big game. But, you know, it's true. Um, But you also, I think, to just serve up these 40 burgers, you've got to have your uh, role players um, just contributing at a high level, and that's what I observed in this particular contest. And in a game where your own offense, you know, put all the pressure in the world on Saul McVay's offense to throw the ball downfield, which is what they want to do anyway and what they do best under Matt Stafford, you held up well against, you know, guys like Cooper Cup and Puka Nakoa and, you know, Tyler Higby. Cooper Cup's longest catch of the game, nine yards in this one. It only caught four of his ten targets. Yeah, Nikoa got a 22-yarder against you, but he only caught three of seven of his targets. So 
you know, yeah, we could talk a lot about the front seven and loving what Marquis Bell and Devon Clark are giving you and, you know, this pass loss coming in waves and all of that coming together. That is still the core of this defense and, you know, winning in the trenches important on both sides of the ball for this team. But, yeah, the secondary knew they were going to be seeing shots down the field and a one-dimensional Rams offense, and it could have been something that easily, you know, for a play here or there, let the Rams get back in this game, as we know in NFL fashion, you know, you'll see teams come back and snap of a finger just by getting single coverage and, you know, catching a defense off guard, and all of a sudden there's game pressure and things are back on. But there's only a slight moment where you thought that might happen. Other than that, you know, the Cowboys offense did their part in putting it away, but I really think it, the secondary, especially putting another game under the belt about Javon Diggs, deserves a lot of credit as well, of course, for you know, starting to find things, letting Donovan Wilson play in his ideal kind of box role. He's messing well with the Clark and Bell linebacker duo, as you pointed out. So when he's playing down there, I thought you got a decent game in coverage out of Moe Cooker, which is something to see. We'll have to check the snap count on Wanye Thomas and see if, you know, he's been a bigger part of the rotation as well. But yeah, the secondary is also figuring things out. And man, if you have that cohesion between just how good this front seven is playing. We haven't even mentioned Micah Parsons yet, who was, of course, his usual self and firing off the ball and lining up all over the place. If you have him and Demarcus Lawrence and the whole band of guys behind him that make this front seven one of the most fearsome in the NFL, playing in tandem with a secondary that we all worried could still be effective without Trayvon Diggs, but they answered that call on Sunday. You know, this defense is right back to being that doomsday level where we thought it could be. And, you know, this team being right back to uh, the top of the NFC. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Dorrance Armstrong is the linchpin that holds everything together? Let me explain. He is as effective on... Okay, all right. Micah Parsons, you think of him as the defensive superstar. Dorrance Armstrong, it's like he's the special teams superstar, yet he also has functionality on defense. I mean, I think he's the linchpin. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you can move around in this defense, and we know how how important that is. You know, I think everybody I've already mentioned previously here in the front seven is a guy that has some versatility to him, so that will get you on the field, and you know, when you also have a way for John Fossil to play you, then you're really going to have a chance to be an impact player and a linchpin player for this Cowboys team currently. So Armstrong fits that mold really well. And you know, when you talk about wanting to line Parsons up at multiple different spots where someone needs to you know, make up for the spot where he would traditionally be, if that makes sense. And Armstrong has been that guy that can that can do some of that. You know, If Parsons played the last five snaps over the right tackle, and he did a lot of that today because the Rams were on a backup right tackle. But if Parsons has played there and all of a sudden – they want to sift him in and get him that patented rush against the center where he lines up a defensive tackle and gets in the quarterback's face. Well, you need someone that can quickly jump from where they were just playing to that strong side end position or weak side or you know anywhere that you want to be multiple in your defense. Armstrong can kind of patch all of those holes for you and be trusted to do what he does best, which is get in the quarterback's face. And when this Cowboys team is in the quarterback's face and getting to the quarterback like they did, against Stafford today, just the two sacks officially, but certainly they affected him more than just the sack that Armstrong and the other one that Parsons had, keeping him in the pocket, collapsing the pocket, and making him uncomfortable with his footwork. 
certainly when that's happening, this defense, uh, you know, can play at a championship level. And Armstrong is a big part of that. Yeah, he, uh, the quarterback hits. They had five quarterback hits on Stafford throughout the game. Um, that block it seemed like every pass was coming out like a second or two out of later or earlier than it wanted to. You know, it was. You know, you would look back. It's like, oh, that was an uncharacteristic miss by Stafford. Did he just miss it? You know, why was it late? And then you see the replay, and oh, he got he got tipped. Oh, he was affected. Or there was a clean rush at him. Or, you know, the receiver got jammed up, and there was a pass rush. You know, they just messed with the timing pretty good on this Rams offense. Yeah, and you know, it was Dorrance Armstrong that was part of it. He got a quarterback hit, you know, and a sack as well. But uh, the thing is, Armstrong was what startled the Rams' uh, punt block, you know, protection and allowed Sam Williams to come in. So it's like Armstrong has made so much of a, like, okay, they say, oh, uh, offensive coordinators, they have to uh, game plan for Micah Parsons and, DeMarcus Ware back in the day. Um, it's almost like special teams coordinators are game planning for Dorrance Armstrong. And it's just having someone like that, a baddie, in the transition phase of the game that I think is just really one of the elements that keeps it makes you think Lady Luck is always looking at Dallas every game. You can't not love watching Armstrong play, just in general. I mean, always just putting his head down, sprinting, running full speed, giving 110% on every play. He's an easy guy to point to that has done everything right every year since he's been here and for all these young guys on this Cowboys defense and special teams unit, with special teams, of course, being you know, a more important avenue for any friends, young player to make a roster under John Fossil and then what you can develop into under Quinn's defense or you know, maybe your receiver that find some opportunity. There is opportunity once you gain the trust of John Fossil and have your roster spot secured that way. So I think a lot of these guys can certainly look up to Armstrong and he's become a, a core player there, to say the absolute least, because he set up you know, a big play for Sam Williams, another two-way player that flashes on the Quinn's defense when they're playing their best. He could be a big part of the pass us, and he comes up with a punt block that leads to a safety, made it a, a three-score game at that point, and you kind of knew the floodgates might be open at that point. I mean, they, yeah, there was a deluge across the land. Let's get to the Cowboys' birthdays here. Um, for this week, we've we'll start it off on Wednesday with Burton Lawless. Uh, you know, because that's a pretty cool name. He played guard for the Cowboys <laughs> from '75 to '79. He turned 70 on Friday. Connor McGovern. Uh, well, anything on Barton Lawless? I got nothing. All right. Important. On Friday, Connor McGovern. Of course, he played guard for Dallas from 2019 to 2022. Turns 26 years old. And I don't know where he is. He's in Buffalo Wasn't or he, is he uh, with the Jets? I was going to say uh, Miami, but I'm thinking of the wrong team there. Um uh, all AFC East. By the way, what a game between the uh, Jets and Giants. Way to set football back, you know, 100 years. 
up there with the big air conditioner. I'm complaining about cold watching a game in a dome stadium. And I got friends that are sitting in the rain to watch a team finish with negative nine passing yards. So, you know, that's getting a bit off track here. But set up to that. And if you need any further proof that Cowboys-Eagles is the battle of the NFC East, and if not the battle of the whole conference, well, there it was. And so let's get ready for Philly week. But, yeah, McGovern being a Pennsylvania guy is certainly uh, swung around the league and kind of made a home in a couple of different places here and played in a lot of different schemes as well. And then on Saturday, turning 35 years old, Des Bryant. And might we see him in the Cowboys' ring of honor at some point? An added bonus of being in attendance on Sunday was the DeMarcus Ware halftime induction to the Cowboys' ring of honor. So that was quite cool. And uh, he had Jerry down there to give part of the speech, and then he addressed the crowd as well. And many of the other members of the ring of honor were in attendance and shown on the video board and on the field uh, to watch DeMarcus receive this honor as well. So he's kind of one of those players that played right in that transitional period where I think a lot, you know, certainly for myself, where a lot of Cowboys fans were, you know, of our age group were just starting to pick up on things. Or Again, I'm just speaking, you know, kind of personally for me too, but I think this describes where other fans were as far as, you know, an era where new people were coming in to follow this team and, they were gaining some traction under Tony Romo as, as the quarterback, and they had other recognizable guys throughout the offense. And then when he would watch the defense, it was all about DeMarcus Ware. And what he was doing, he became you know a face of that side of the ball and one of the faces of the whole league as far as uh, dominant pass rushers and certainly a player that I enjoyed watching and enjoyed uh, seeing getting inducted into the ring of honor, and as was Des Bryant for the years that we got to see him on the Cowboys offense, you know, just the patented – 9 to 88 fade route was as good as it got. Red zone woes no more. You could throw it up to him and score that way as many times as he wanted, it seems. And, you know, Des Bryant was the player that I certainly uh, have a ton of memories of big highlight plays and wish we could have seen him in more playoff games and high leverage games. That goes for him and Romo and some other players there. But, yeah, Bryant, so many big games, particularly against the Eagles this week's opponent. Maybe you would like to see him out there this week, but I think we're good with what CDLM has been doing, putting up the best two-game stretch of his career from a yards uh, perspective, and, of course, what Brandon Cooks is doing. But, yeah, Des Bryant, always his best in the big games, and that's what I remember from him in his time as a Cowboy. Yeah, he was definitely clutch. Let's get to your triangles of triumph. I can't wait to hear him, Sean. Yeah, as usual, going to go on the fly, maybe find one here that's uh, off the beaten path of um, – this Cowboys Rams game. Let's start with uh, just yeah, city of Arlington and being uh, being able to hang out there for two days going into this game. Texas Live is such a cool place to uh, to get to hang out and watch games. Can't recommend that experience enough. It had been recommended to me, you know, as a place before I ever visited Dallas or if I was whenever I was going to be in the area. I never really got the full appeal of it because like oh, it's this big place. It's right next to the stadiums. Like I'd rather go to like a more local place or get the downtown vibe or like. There's other things that give you the essence of, of a city. But Texas Live is just, you know, sports fans done right. And even though I'm not a Rangers fan, it was just cool to see, you know, that place become an extension of the Rangers Stadium, which is right next door on Saturday night when they were playing game two of the World Series. And, you know, people living and dying of every pitch in a sports bar type of environment. You don't get that too often. Sometimes, especially for people like us in the media, you know, you worry if you go out to watch a game, it's going to be, too much of amateur hour and you know guys just talking about their fantasy team or guys blocking the TV or what have you. But, yeah, it was basically like being in the stadium, except not when it came to watching that World Series game there. So 
that was a good prologue to you know being amongst Cowboys Nation on Sunday, which made for a good sports sports weekend in the Metroplex all around. My second one will go to Brandon Cooks. Like I said, his first Cowboys Stadium touchdown. We now have a two-game sample size of him being more involved in the offense, so it's been a focal point. It's been something they knew they, they needed to correct and have done so, getting the ball to him downfield. Prescott threw that touchdown to him you know, before he even really had separation on the DB. He was just trusting that he was going to get to the spot and to see that level of trust between a new receiver in this offense and Prescott. The sky could still be the limit for what the rest of the season looks like between uh, Prescott, Brandon Cooks, and C.D. Lamb, and then you'd have kind of your dynamic trio of the offense there and you know throwing Tony Pollard there, and there's your makings of what you need to see this offense go on a sustained run. And then my third one, you know, I think this is an obvious one, I guess, but it has to go to Deron Bland. I'll, I'll give a side one to Micah Parsons and his Lion onesie, but I can't, even the Lion onesie can't beat out the production that we've seen from Deron Bland. It comes close, the Lion onesie, but Deron Bland, pick six, third of the season, just incredible what he's done out of Fresno State. You know, the way Dan Quinn finds these guys and makes them contributors, even beyond his wildest dreams, has to be the way that Bland has stepped up and played well. They seem to take a flyer on late-round cornerbacks every year now under Quinn, but I doubt that they'll ever find one as productive and as good as Bland, who has even more on his plate now without Trayvon Diggs for the season. The ball's coming his way a lot more, and all he's done with it is find a way to turn it into more interceptions, turn it into more touchdowns, and get that pick six to really get the party started at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. So, Deron Bland, Texas Live slash Arlington for a nice welcoming uh, fun weekend for myself and my friend Terry and uh, Brandon Cooks as well. All right, sounds good. Uh, I've got Luke Schoonmaker for his 13-yard catch. It was his only catch on the afternoon, but it was an important one because it helped Dallas keep their drive going. It was the first play of a drive that ended in a C.D. Lamb 22-yard touchdown that put Dallas ahead 33-3 to in the second quarter. So like I said, it was a consequential catch. Then cornerback uh, Nashawn Wright, uh, he had an assisted tackle on special teams, but it's important because you need to have this bridge between um, – C.J. Goodwin and Nashawn Wright. You need to have an effective bridge between, you know, your gunner that is in his 30s, that's, you know, clear special teams captain, and passing the baton on to someone like Nashawn Wright. So that's, you know, very significant to have that. Um, And then my final... um, Triangle of Triumph this week goes to, um, you know, Tony Romo and um, and Jim Nance for being able to do that San Francisco game. And uh, I'd have to mention that Brock Purdy's invincible the whole time. Are we finally seeing, you know, the kink in the armor of Brock Purdy, or is it just the, the injuries, and is he going to refine his form under Shanahan here, or are we... Are we you know, overreacting by saying we might be seeing the end of some kind of sustained run where the 49ers are in some legitimate trouble as long as he's their quarterback. No, 
I just think this is the adversity that is waiting on every, um, you know, young talent, so to speak. Uh, it's just kind of real, ingen you know, disingenuous the way everybody hyped him up and, you know, didn't say... I mean, they've had a whole off-season of tape to watch on him, you know? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Relative to maybe a story of, you know, here's this uh, young guy that nobody's seen really any tape on. It's the final four games of the season, and he's just, you know, beginner's luck type of thing. Can that sustain and get you to the Super Bowl. That's an interesting story. But no, not when there's been a whole off season to watch tape on everything. Is anything sustainable? And the defense aside, because they give up 42 points to the 49ers, but you think this offense doesn't want another shot at a redo in that type of matchup, which we still very well might see. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks, the 49ers have lost to these last three weeks, so they're head-to-head for Purdy, losing to P.J. Walker, Kirk Cousins, who, of course, suffered the unfortunate likely season-ending injury on Sunday, and then the Bengals today with Joe Burrow. You look at that running quarterbacks, and you know you don't think Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense isn't seeing that and thinking that they could fit firmly into, you know, not only is he on that tier of being better even with those quarterbacks, but just as a whole, those offenses being able to get that redo and actually put the game pressure that they weren't able to do in that first Niners game, I mean, it got away from them just so quickly and almost never even felt like the offense was on the field. So you think they want another chance at that game? I mean, you, you pair that with Prescott taking the podium after his Rams win, saying he's ready to cover himself in honey and fight bears when it comes to the Eagles. And, yeah, I think this team has done well to put 42-10 to 10 behind them and uh, prove as much as they possibly can all the way down the stretch here that they're playing their way back into contending status. All right, well, let's see. Who gets to Avogadro's number first next week when it's Cowboys-Eagles? Um, all right. Well, um, follow Sean on Twitter, Sean Martin NFL. Follow me on X at the Real Mark Lane. So there it is. Yeah.